Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is brought to you by Yukonuba. Every great hunter knows the best partners have four legs. Yukonuba is one of the only foods on the planet designed specifically with athletes like hunting dogs in mind. They are all about helping your hunting dog perform at their best. With over 50 years of experience, they've fine-tuned and crafted their recipes to meet the highest standards of each individual dog's needs. But here's what sets Yukonuba apart from the rest. Their commitment to sustainability and animal welfare. With every bag of Yukonuba pet food, you can feel confident knowing you're providing your hunting dog with optimal nutrition while supporting a company that prioritizes animal welfare and the environment. And as outdoorsmen, there's almost nothing more important. Don't let your hunting partner be held back by subpar nutrition. Give them the fuel they need to succeed with Yukonuba. Visit yukonuba.com to learn more. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is also brought to you by Lear. Keeping your gear safe and secure on the road has never been easier than it is with Lear. With innovative features and design like the twist handle locking system and easy lift system, Lear's truck caps and tonneau covers provide added convenience and security for truck owners. And with durable and weather-resistant materials and fully customizable options, you can trust Lear to keep your cargo safe and dry no matter where you go. Upgrade your truck today with Lear's top quality accessories. Visit Lear.com now. So what's a normal day like at Wild Acre? Husband and wife team, you're together all day, every day. I mean, is it pressure on the relationship to have all that anxiety of dogs barking, tons of different dogs, training nonstop? You're married to this job. You got to be married to this type of lifestyle. I mean, you can't just be like, oh, we're leaving for three days unless you have a lot of kennel help, trainers to take over, feeding, airing out. Is it stressful? Is it a dream job? And what's the normal day? It's very stressful. Absolutely. Um, the hardest part is, just like you said, they're dogs. You just can't pick up and leave. Like for Raylan and I, we haven't even had a honeymoon yet. Um, for us to come out here, it was uh, three weeks of planning and putting employees together and lists. And I know Raylan, I think she got one hour of sleep typing up the to-do list every day before she came out here. So it's... It's very, very stressful, and you're married to it. It's like owning a dairy farm. It's seven days a week, 365 days a year. You know, they got to be let out, they got to be fed, they got to be, the kennel has to be clean, taken care of, and it's, uh, you're definitely married to the job. And what is a normal day like? What time does it start? We, well, depending on the year or the season, so like summertime, it's where Riley and the land and the boys show up probably around 4 30 a.m. in the summertime to beat the heat. Winter time, seven o'clock we start. Winter months. And what is, what happens? The, day, the days consist of so how how it works is when the boys show up, uh, they get to the kennel and we start letting everybody out and we have side by sides with trailers, so they back side by sides out of the shed, bring them to the front of the kennel, we start letting every dog out so they can go to the bathroom do their thing, we load them all up on the trailers, we clean the whole kennel. And then once the kennel's clean, well, we have kennel crew that does that too, but then they'll bring up, once all the dogs are let out and aired, then they'll bring them up to me, and then Riley's our trainer as well too, and Landon. Then we start getting to work with training. So we kind of work the dogs 10 to 15 minutes per dog. We just work our way around the trailer once we're done. We go back to the beginning, and you just start all over again. You know, our goal is to do four to five sessions a day with a dog for the training. 
aspect of things. That's not including them letting them out running around off time. Um, but training is about four to five sessions a day at 10 to 15 minutes a crack. Once we do that, get the morning, we're kind of spending force fetching, working on obedience, that kind of thing. Um, if I have handling dogs, I will be I do that right away in the morning before the heat comes. And then we cruise out. And then once we get force fetching done, obedience done, then we'll unload those dogs. And then we'll get up water dogs. So then we go try to get the force fetching and obedience done while it's hot and we go or cold and then we try to go out into the pond and do water work rest of the day once we're done with the training then we unload everybody um we let everybody out run around again put them in the kennel feed clean maybe or you know if there's anybody that spotted in the kennel and like clean everything up then they got to pick up dog poop for the day you got to feed all the birds um, I'm very picky, anal, I guess you'd say. Um, so everything has to be clean. Like the dog trailers need to be cleaned out. Uh, Side-by-sides need to be cleaned up. Um, if anything, Raylan's notorious for this. If I jump in a vehicle and it's on E, I have a heart attack. I'd, that does not allow, uh, not allowed at our house. Whoops. So everything has to be filled up with fuel if it needs it. And just kind of, they have to run around. And like, um, if we get out to the field, we don't have ammunition in the trailer. They're going to get a earful from me. So they just kind of go around and they stock everything up. The boys are doing their thing, and that's when I go in the office, and then I um, call all my clients back. I do emails, voicemails, um, invoices that need to be done, kind of the whole business side of things. And that's and usually by right now for our day frame, it's probably 7.45 at night. So it's at least a 12-hour day every day. Usually, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what about you? What's your day like? Um, so if I don't have puppies, like before we had really good kennel crew, they were just high school boys. I would do the kennel in the morning. I would load dogs, unload dogs, cleaning the kennel. Um, I just like Andrew, I'm very anal about everything. So like the way I explain it to our kennel crew is if you don't take care of those birds, we're not going to have healthy dogs. If you have unhealthy birds, you have unhealthy dogs because they're going to get sick if the birds are sick. So I'm cleaning the bird coops out. I'm doing literally bottom of the totem pole work because I want my employees to know that since we're the boss it doesn't matter we can still do that dirty work you know I'm picking up poop but now that we have good kennel attendance um in the morning you know I'm doing my emails doing my phone calls any puppy phone calls he's forwarding to me um getting in contact with my customers especially since we just sent litters home so they have a lot of questions and I'm just taking care of any sick kennel dogs you know if something if someone's limping I have to call the vet or I'm taking care of our own personal dogs making sure you know we're stocked up on dog food um i'm administering any medication to dogs in the kennel doing all their flea and tick i do invoices too i'm checking in boarding customers i'm booking clients um if we have check-ins i'm doing all the paperwork in the office if i have puppies my day starts at like seven o'clock i do my puppy chores then i do all my running around normal household stuff i'm still running an entire household with our other animals on top of the kennel with andrew noon i do work for the puppies um you know i'm always updating my customers on their puppies like oh here's your weekly puppy video or here is um some options that i have for you of your puppies then the same at dinner time and then i do my nighttime chores i mean it's a lot a lot of work when you have puppies it's a it's an all-day event because on top of just cleaning down there you know i'm getting them out i'm getting them outside getting them on clipped wings getting them on sheds doing um grooming on them getting them in water in and out of water different textures on top of all that with our you know our personal dogs and making sure they're well taken care of and then on top of taking care of any kennel dogs or answering to customers if their dogs are in the kennel um, going back to the part where you know husband and wife working together it's not easy it's not for everyone that's for sure 
but you have to have the same end goal if you're going to work with your spouse. And our same end goal is, you know, to just be successful. And it's really, really hard sometimes because we're together 24 seven. You know, we wake up, we work together in the office, you know, we're doing things with dogs, we're doing office stuff. So we do butt heads, but I think it just makes us stronger. You know, I wouldn't have chose to not go out and get a normal nine to five job if I didn't want to work with him. I know there's going to be challenges, but like I said, I think it makes us stronger in a sense. I mean, you have to really love your partner to want to work with them every single day, day in and day out. And then we just have the same end goal. And I think that's important to always remind ourselves that, you know, we want to be successful. We both love animals. We both love hunting. And if you have the same hobbies and passions, I think it makes it a lot easier. When you start talking about the making you stronger in the couple and the marriage and the unity and all that, would you advise another couple to get into this line of work as much as you say you love it and as much mm-hmm. as social media portrays all these happy happy lives and yeah. nobody has problems kind of would you say heck yeah go start a kennel and get into it and there and these couple is like we love dogs i love dog training it's what i've wanted to do my whole life and they say but we're thinking about starting our own kennel and training program as a married couple no absolutely not i mean yeah. i'm not gonna lie yeah. i mean it is hard but if he didn't have I mean I'm gonna support him no matter what he wants to do on any business adventure whatever he wants to do I'm going to support him but if he didn't have this kennel and if it was something that he thought about starting you know he wanted to do in the future you have to really really want to do that and you know really put your heart and soul into it the biggest thing with owning a dog kennel is you gotta you gotta ask yourself and I did 14 years ago um, but you gotta ask yourself do I want to work rest of my life in a sense? So granted it comes with a lot of pros too, but you have to be willing to to have a kennel is you have to be willing to work seven days a week. Like there's just, you have to, you have to be a dairy farmer. So the best way to explain it is there's just, you have to be willing to work. Granted, yes, you can have an, like everybody's like, Oh, I'll just get employees and it'll it'll be bougie, but employees, sometimes they don't show up. Sometimes they, they call in sick or they do this or they, or they'll just, quit or anything and you they can't um then you got to step up and you got to be there or have a backup plan to um, make sure the dog's getting taken care of so to start up your own dog training business is i mean is it is it amazing yes the usually the cool part about our line of work is we usually don't have to deal with a cranky customer you know a lot of businesses out there is you're getting they're getting yelled at by a customer or not a happy customer or anything where we have our client base is it's a lot of fun you know, you meet a lot of cool people. There's, um, you know, it can bring you on a cool adventures like meeting with you guys here. But on the lo- other side of things is there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that a lot of people don't realize going into it. Well, they, they think it's, um, you know, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I've trained some dogs before. I like training dogs. I love dogs. So I'm going to start up this small little thing, you know, just as a hobby for some side cash. And it's like, you can do that, but you're not giving, you know, you have to really think about it. Are you giving those dogs hundred percent of the attention they deserve like you know we're there every single day you know we clean the kennel we're very paranoid we're sometimes over the top but the people that think that oh it's fun you get to train dogs you get to breed labs it's i mean it is fun and it has a lot of pros to it but there are a lot of cons if you're not doing it correctly it's not just training dogs it's not just playing with puppies it's not just gun breaking a dog it's not just kenneling dogs or boarding dogs if you're going to commit to something like that 
you have to 100% love your partner and know that you're going to have a lot of struggles because it is a struggle. Sometimes we're together 24-7. A lot of of sacrifices have been made. Like we sacrifice going on family vacations, vacations, trips. Seeing my parents. We don't get to, we don't really get to do things like that. Um, People don't think about that. We do, we do, but we, me, Raylan and I vacation separately a lot. People don't think about that. They think that it's easy that, oh, I can just start up this little side gig. And it's like, you have a ton of sacrifices. And yes, you can do it just out of your garage or whatever, but you don't realize when you give your all to this business with your partner, you both have to be 100% dedicated and not just do it on the side. It's not a side business. I don't think, I mean, there are people that do it as a side gig, but you have to- commit one or two dogs, that's fine. But but with our capacity, Mm. you have to fully commit and you have to be committed with your partner. You have to be on the same page every decision and come to a conclusion and realize that, you know, this is going to be your life for the next X amount of years and you're not going to be able to take those vacations until you're super, super established and have the good staff. But it is a struggle, but I think, you know, we make a really good team because we are a lot alike and we have the same passions and we both work super hard. And our goal in the end, yes, is to have a trained dog, but to make sure those dogs are happy, healthy, and safe and our customers are happy. And I think that's a top priority when you do have a kennel and we have the same mindset. So you say, I know you guys are positive on it and it's a great lifestyle as far as, you know, like once you do what you love, you never work a day in your life mm-hmm. kind of ideology. I get that. Yes. But and then the other breath, you're saying, no, we would not advise another <laughs> couple to go into this line I of wouldn't. work. You have to be really dedicated. So with that being said, you're in year 14, mm-hmm. you're in your, mid 30s well young 30s what are you 32 32 you're young mm-hmm. she's 10 years younger than you <laughs> i wish i'm only 28 28 <laughs> i'm almost 30 so is this something you want to do until you're 60 me yeah oh yeah 100 so you love it that much it's a, it's a great lifestyle i mean i think the goal for us another goal in the end is to eventually have kids and then if they want to do dog training and be in this lifestyle because this lifestyle is great you meet a lot of great people and you do a lot of great things and you're helping dogs it's not only waterfowl training and shed hunting and upland hunting you're just doing basic obedience and you're breeding quality dogs and i think the goal is to hopefully have kids and pass it down to them and introduce them to this lifestyle because we absolutely love it if we didn't love it as much as we do we wouldn't be in this business i could go easily get a job but do i want to no because i love working at the kennel i absolutely whether it's letting dogs out taking care of the pigeons which is the worst job that everyone says i love it because i get to work from home and do what i love to do what i love about it is 100 percent love about it is you uh you get this dog in and it's out of control i mean these people are literally pulling their hair out when they're dropping this dog off and then we get the dog and when when they come to pick up this dog we do a full-on lesson with them and we, we take them on the field and show them their dog out in action so we're going to um, go out there and we show them their dog out in the field retrieving a bird steady shots steady boats steady blinds and the smiles that are on their face is what it's what it's that's a million dollar check to me it's, it's huge it's so rewarding to get that dog in and but it's like the best way to put it is my customer of mine told me is he, he goes I'm, i brought you a clump of clay and you turned it into art and that was that that'll that sticks with me forever and that was uh that was the greatest well compliment i ever had but it's um it's a cool reward 
Yeah, I I think that would have to probably be the greatest part of the job and lifestyle is seeing what can be done from scratch. I mean, you're taking a, a living organism mm-hmm. that you might have something to do with the breeding, you might not, but you're taking that living animal and turning it into, for lack of better words, a machine. And I know some dog trainers are like, don't call a dog a machine. Well, a lot of dogs I've hunted with are freaking machines. They always do. They are. You know, some people get a little bit weirded out. Like, don't, you know, don't take the heartstrings and the emotional part of it. Well, I guess this is going to sound ignorant. You guys tell me how you feel about it. Um, There is an emotional... Like when I'm laying with Slash last night in the bed, like I'm in love with him. Like I could, like I've spooned Axel <laughs> and woke up still spooning Axel. Where neither one of us move, we're so exhausted from a long day hunt, right? Mm-hmm. But when he's in that duck blind, he's a tool. Mm-hmm. He's a conservation tool. He's a machine. He yeah. is there to do a job, and then we can love after, right? Like yeah. maybe you guys look at your guys' jobs the same way. Like during the day, she's not your wife. Uh, obviously, you're going to protect her, but she's a machine. She's got her duties. She's got her responsibilities, and that's and you're going to give her a ear, earful if she doesn't live up to it. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't no, know I if do. you're going to get into it. <laughs> we're business no, partners I, during the day, and then yeah. when we're not working, you know, we're husband and wife. But. I agree with you. you know, dogs have a purpose and they need a job. And when we have working dogs, we're out hunting. Yes, I love my dogs, but I'm not going to coddle you. I'm not going to love on you. You're going to do your job. And then when we're done hunting, of course, they're my dog. And I'm going to snuggle Kai and Slash or, you know, Dubs, Veda, Quill. But they have a job and they need to do it. And they are machines. And that's what they were bred to do. That's what they were trained to do. I agree. Do you find any problem with referring to a dog as a machine no, no I never we've once, never had anyone never once would have thought of that what me, me like when my dogs when i'm out hunting or out in public or anything my dogs are i'm going to treat them like obviously i love my dogs but I'm, i am going to treat them like a tool because they dogs want a job to begin with dogs want to be told what to do dogs want obedience they want that to give you they want you to give them that control when you don't give them that control that's when you see dogs acting out like dogs want to have a job dogs want to be told what to do so when i'm out hunting my i expect my dogs to listen go get my birds pick them up bring them back now when that's all going on or we're going to make it fun and be you know am i going to go over there and scratch his scratch his ears if he's doing a good job absolutely uh, but if uh, they're screwing up well then you know we might have to you know give them a correction or um you know re go over or do something but then once we get home then we'll you know i'm gonna love them up and they're gonna sit out on the couch and all of our, our dogs are allowed on the couch so they're gonna <laughs> hang out with us and whatever whatever the case may be and the next day we're gonna start over again yeah i think i think that that is you know the part of it of them being a machine translates different to different people to where it's almost too literal it's people take the functionality of a dog out of it in in a lot of instances Mm -hmm. when i don't know i might be looked at as like too hard i don't i don't get i'm not real hard on dogs but i'm real hard love like uh, you know like not every dog is gonna i'm gonna fall in love with and be that oh come here and get on my lap kind of deal some dogs i'm more apt to do it like axel heck yeah slash duff heck yeah i'm gonna be loving on them i'm even more apt to do it with axel than i am with duff 
because Duff sheds too much and I hold it against him. You know, even though it's my fault, like I can't get it under control. So like I get so frustrated, not with him. I'm just like, oh, it's it's like you don't even want to have him in the house because it's just a mess Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat. Right. So I take all that into consideration, too. But a lot of people are too emotional about it and the dogs are a loving animal don't get me wrong i don't want people calling in and saying this guy with eucanubis sucks because he just looks at him as a as a tool no they they are a tool though they are and if they're trained right they're absolutely the best part of the hunt i love calling i love vocalizations with ducks and geese absolutely love it like right. I don't know if there's a better thing in the world than speaking the jargon of a of a wild animal and 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 negotiating with that. That's what you're doing is you're negotiating. negotiating yep. And that's what you're doing with dogs. When you're training dogs, you're negotiating. Like for a little bit, we're gonna give. For you give more, you're gonna get more mm-hmm. kind of deal. It's like a, a, a you're across the table from this dog and you might have to break him a little bit more. You know, you know, there's there's a lot of things that go into having a well mannered dog that can turn that switch and perform. But I, I hope that people understand that they are machines. They are t- tools. Mm-hmm. They are living organisms. They do have a heart and they are emotional and they can get moody and all of that. Um, but they are a machine. And I think that when you start talking about training and nutrition and like we talked about in the prior podcast, the health and all the testing and all that. Mm-hmm you owe it to that dog to make sure that he or her has the ability to live out their best life. And when I see a lab that's not living out their best life and they're not in the water and they're not retrieving ducks, you know, that stuff, it irritates me again. Like I'm like, ugh. like I'm not saying you can't have a lab. It's just a pet, mm-hmm. but I feel like they're put on earth to be a machine in the duck woods or on a river or out of a boat or out of a blind or pointing labs for pheasants or whatever or there's a service dog whatever it is dogs can serve a higher purpose um if you allow them and you get them trained right and you feed them right and you take care of their health yeah they were put on this earth i mean they need a job it's like when we have people that bring us these obedience dogs and they have um, an Australian shepherd or a cattle dog and it's like did you do your research on this breed they're like oh my gosh, this dog's out of control. I can't handle it. I need help. Well, do you live on a farm? Well, no. Do you give this dog a job? You know, if you're doing agility courses or do you herd cattle or sheep or something, dogs need a job, whether it's a cattle dog or it's a lab or it's a pointer or it's a German shepherd, whatever it is, they have to have a job because when you're training them, you know, they're gaining your respect and, you, you know, your they're getting confident and then you're respecting them and it all comes with the training but they need a job to know that that what they're doing is okay it's just like a kid you can't just keep a kid cooped up in a 10 by 10 room and expect the kid to be calm and quiet and content when you come home they're gonna you're gonna they need to get out they need to explore they need to run they need to exercise you got to wear their kid out you know like mm-hmm. they always say when you send a kid to grandma and grandpa's they come back tired or so it's kind of the same thing as when um you know Get that dog out, exercise them, give them a job to do, and they're gonna they're gonna behave way more inside the house as well too. Well, they're going to respect you. You know, you're giving them the freedom, and then you know, working them like working dogs. They have to do something. So when you're giving them a job to do, they're like, "Yes, my owner is giving me this job. I respect you because you're letting me do something that I was put on this earth to do." And I and I couldn't agree more. Like I think that labs, I keep referring to labs because they're my favorite. <laughs> they were put on earth to retrieve to hunt 
That's what they did way it's back. In their blood. That's yeah. what they did way back when they first came here. Absolutely. Um, you know, Doberman Pinchers, they're trained to be a guard dog. German Shepherds, they're war dogs. They're trained they're trained to attack and trained to to guard. They truly are. Mm-hmm. So like you know, you could look at any kind of any kind of breed and know that you know there are certain. I mean, even poodles have have purpose. Um, but when it comes to sporting dogs, what we're talking about with the Yukonuba podcast is they have potential to be great. Of course, they really do. Now, look, breeding is a big part of it, but all that whole puzzle is so fun about dogs, and it's got to be a fun part about being the the husband and wife team of Wild Acre of putting all these pieces of the puzzle together. That when we first started this conversation, we were talking about, um, you know, the bringing something organically or naturally from the ground up and turning it into just something that's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. There's other things in life that that can happen with. But if you if you're in 4H or FFA, you know you get a you, your kid or I was you know I know a lot of people that have done it. You raise it's chickens or a sheep or a, a pig or a steer, and you go and you try to get the high dollar on that, and by creating something that is aesthetically perfect and muscle development and mm-hmm. the perfect amount of fat and the right coat and the right fur, like kids are. I don't know of a better way to to get kids taught responsibility or getting them with dog trainers yeah and getting like there's a big push that i want to be involved in with getting more young people in love with that ass if you go to like srs and a lot of these big time hrc or ukc's and ukc's and hunt tests a lot of the trainers are still i mean they're old they're getting old Mm -hmm. we got to get the word out there that this is a great lifestyle now i'm not saying that i'm arguing with you guys and being married in in, and doing it is wouldn't be tough on any relationship or the stress that that comes with it but there is something to be said about what those dogs can teach us and that's another thing of dog training and having a well-trained dog that I don't want the listener or the potential, you know, the, the, a, a person that's thinking about getting a dog trained or getting a, a, a high-powered dog, what you're going to learn in life from that dog. And that's key to me when I'm in the duck blind and I'm just besides patience. I mean, dogs have taught me a lot of patience because you can't just be like, all right, here comes another flock get in the blind no i'm gonna let that dog do its job mm-hmm. i'm not gonna take the hunt away from the dog just so we can kill another flock and i and i look at people and i talk to them about the hunting part of it is those dogs are out there to serve a purpose too right so you know how you get like you get four down and you're like all right i'm gonna get axel out or i'm gonna get slash out and then all of a sudden hey get in get in there's more coming as a dog handler you should be like no this is part of his life too or her mm-hmm. life we're gonna let this dog perform today yeah right? that's one thing i do love about hunting with you is you're very adamant like as soon as you're out hunting if the dogs are out chad will yell to the whole line guns up no shooting until dogs are back and he's very very passionate about it. and i really like that because it's like all right the dog waited the dog was patient the dog did its job now we did our job and we put the birds down on the ground now let's let the dog go and do its thing. It's and a reward. That's why I really like what you do when you're out hunting is it doesn't matter. You're you're on it and you make sure everybody's safe. And, you know, that's the next thing is somebody <clears> might <throat> see that bird, you know, Axel is out going to or Slash is going out to get a bird, right? And they're like, oh, this bird's getting away. I'm going to shoot it. You never know. Dogs can be from point A to point B in, in a heartbeat in 10 seconds. It just happened uh, just the other day. So we we're running marks and Riley, my employee, I was actually the bird boy. I was throwing him the birds. And he was walking back to the trailer, and we were running this dog named Fritz. He's a wire hair. This dog is fast. Riley gets to the trailer. I watched Riley look down, 
And he goes, okay, Fritz, let's get in the trailer. And Riley literally looked down, looked up, and Fritz is out at me within three seconds. And Riley's like, look, he was like, where the hell did he go? You know, and he was literally, Riley, just look, within three seconds, he was 100 yards to me. I mean, that's, so what I'm trying to get at is the dogs, when you're hunting, you might go shoot that cripple on the ground and slash your, I mean, they could be, they might have seen that flicker and be tearing off of there. And now you can, you know, you can hurt that dog as well, too. Bad. And I mean, they're fast. And you owe it to the entire hunt party and to your career and to everything of safety first. And, you know, there's there's so many stories, whether it's in the blind or out of the blind or with the UTV or with the boat or anything. Mm-hmm. You have to always be on your A game. You can't cut corners. You're, you're, you're taking the responsibility of pointing a weapon at a living animal and taking the life of a duck or a goose or whatever it is you choose to mm-hmm. hunt, pheasant, grouse, chuck, or doesn't matter. It's a big responsibility. And, you know, you mentioned hunting with me. I'm 100% about respect for the resource and compassion for the animals that we pursue. Mm-hmm. So, like, people are like, why didn't we take them on that? And I go, because I didn't feel good about it. You have to be ethical about it. Be just shut up and let's work the next flock. You're not going to kill every flock. Don't be so gung ho to to shoot or kill a limit all the time. Think about what you're really trying to get out of a hunt. Are you got a new kid there, a new woman there? Are you mentoring? You got a new dog there? You got an inexperienced dog there? You got somebody like your uncle that just got back into it? You don't. It's not always about just pulling the trigger. No, pulling the trigger. So not at all. I think that if if people learn what that dog and that hunt can teach them. you know, there's a, a vast majority of people that aren't against hunting. They just don't understand it. There are, there's a small, there's the same size population in this country that are hunters and pro hunting, or I should say that are hunters that are against hunting. Okay. There's, that's a small percentage, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, maybe 10% of each. And then there's 80% of people out there like, well, what are you doing? They're interested. So you can't give them a reason. Like you got to take care of the dog. You got to take care of the animals. You got to make sure you do it with the highest ethical, you know, competency probable or possible. And you can say, all right, well, let me cook you a recipe of this duck. Well, where'd you get this duck? This is amazing. It happened all the time during COVID. People are like, what are we eating? I'm like, wild turkey. No (laughs) way. How'd you get this turkey? And then I tell them, then next thing you know, they're getting into it. Back them in by food. But a great way to back them in is what we're talking about. The dog. The yeah. sporting dog. Those dogs can teach you so much. If you brought if you brought a person over here and they met Slash and they're like, this is the best dog ever. And then you're like, no, it's not. Wait until you see him tomorrow. And you took him into the duck blind mm-hmm. and you hunted with Slash. Then they'd be like, oh my, I want one of those. Where do oh, no. I start? How do I start calling? How do I get him to dive in the water like that and bring mm-hmm. that duck back? What are you putting it on that strap? Why are you tagging it? Wait, what are we doing? We're cutting it up. We're plucking the feathers off. We're getting the skin. We're going to render that skin down. We're going to make duck fat for tortillas and tater tots for the rest of the year. Like people just go, oh my gosh, because there's not a cooler lifestyle in the world. There truly isn't a cooler lifestyle in the world than a duck hunter. Yeah. Pheasant hunters are weird. Just kidding. <laughs> Deer hunters are very weird. Like just kidding. But duck, duck hunters, hunters, it's the coolest lifestyle in the world. Today's episode of the Fowl Life Podcast is brought to you by Napa Valley Olive Oil. As avid food enthusiasts, the Fowl Life team is passionate about using high-quality ingredients in their dishes. Did you know that recent studies have revealed that some well-known olive oil brands are adding filler oils like canola and vegetable oils to their products and then selling them as pure olive oil? It's alarming to think that the olive oil you've been buying from the grocery store may not be as pure as you assumed. That's why it's crucial to find a trustworthy company when it comes to your health and nutrition. 
Kitchen. And Napa Valley Olive Oil is just that. Napa Valley carefully selects and harvests their olives at the peak of their ripeness and then cold presses them to preserve their flavor and nutritional benefits. The result is an oil that's filled with monosaturated fats and antioxidants, making it a healthy choice for your diet. Plus, its rich, complex flavor will elevate your cooking to the next level. By choosing Napa Valley, you're not only choosing a pure and high-quality product, but you're also supporting small, family-owned olive groves and a sustainable, ethical food system. So you can feel good about what you're putting in your body and supporting a sustainable future for our planet. Visit the Napa Valley website today to order your bottle. Don't settle for anything less than the best. Try Napa Valley, a company you can trust and quality you can depend on. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is also brought to you by Banded. If you're tired of settling for second-rate gear that doesn't perform when it counts, look no further than Banded, the ultimate choice for hunters and outdoor enthusiasts. From top-of-the-line hunting jackets to ultra-comfortable, meticulously crafted waders, Bandit has everything you need to take your outdoor game to the next level. And what's more, their gear and camo patterns are anything but average, designed to give you the edge that you need to succeed. But it's not just their gear that makes Bandit stand out. Their accessories, like their backpacks, are built to withstand anything the outdoors can throw at you. And their decoys are trusted by the best guides and outfitters across the nation. Trust us, you won't find better gear anywhere else. Head over to Banded.com and experience the difference for yourself. Choose Banded and dominate the outdoors like never before. Uh, I'm a, you can ask Raylan, I am, I am obsessed with duck hunting. Like uh, 365 <laughs> days a year, duck hunting is on this brain. And whether it's getting the boat ready, doing new things, um, stringing up decoys, that's always on mine. And we're always doing something for duck hunting or just training the dog. And getting ready for it so even like this Raylan we're we're telling Raylan this summer we got our new dogs I was like hey we're gonna pack some coolers up go on the boat and just get dubs used to dubs needs to learn to ride in a duck boat now um where slash he'll just curl up in a ball and lay there where dubs will be probably you know he needs to learn where his place is at I'm, I'm assuming when we first take him out he's gonna try running up and down the boat jumping out you know where now I'm gonna put my obedience in play show him where his place command is and then we you know i gotta work with all that and train all that and that's part of the off-season duties yeah i, I the, the whole mindset of the encompassing lifestyle when then you mix in dogs with it it's fun and if you can get away if you're dog trained like you guys are and you can get away and, and do it to where you're not taking it away from your business you have to have that as a dog trainer like for you know i'm not comparing making duck calls to it but my partner chris is such an like you guys use the word anal like this guy is the ultimate like this dude is a perfectionist if you said hey i want to put in an application to be your machinist he'd be like no need I'm, i'll be the machinist like he doesn't trust anybody his tolerances are perfect his constrictions his measurements like there's no mistakes he won't let a duck call go out or a goose call go out of that place that's not perfect so but i'm like but you're not hunting that much he's like i'll get out there i'm like you need to be hunting at least four or five days a week you only get 60 days in arkansas you need to be out there every day. How do you do that? Like I, that would eat at me. I'd have to go hunting every day. I'd have the boat hooked up to my truck. I'd take the kids, kiss some good bye in the morning, put them on the school bus, and I'm mm-hmm. in the woods. <laughs> I might not necessarily be there at first light, but I'm going hunting sometime in that day. Turkey hunting doesn't do that to me. Deer hunting doesn't do that to me. People be like, I was I was in Alabama last week, and we were at this plantation preserve, and it was amazing. There's like quail, like sitting on my windowsill like they were mockingbirds right and there's pheasants all up and down the roads that didn't get hunted or didn't get harvested during the season because the season closes in those plantations in the south 
like March 31st. So we're there a week after the season closes and there's birds everywhere because they're like, oh, we made it. Y'all can't mess with us now, right? (laughs) They do plantation-style duck hunting to train dogs. There's all these mallards on the pond that didn't get harvested. And I'm looking at that pheasant, and my girlfriend, Anna, is losing her mind. Oh, my God, did you see that rooster? Did you see that? And I'm like, yeah. like, But then I'd see those mallards, and I'd start shaking. And I'd just be like, oh, my God. Like, they just, they're just a different animal, right, to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's cool about hunting is, and dog training or dog ownership, is that there's something for everybody in hunting. But... Back to what I was saying as far as the dog part of it goes. If you, I'm not talking about going out and being like, this dog has taught me to be emotionally stronger. They do that. This dog has taught me to be more patient. They do this. This dog mm-hmm. has taught me to be more forgiving. They do that. This dog has taught me to be tougher. Like, how can you wake somebody up from a dead sleep and he or she's ready to go within a matter of seconds? Human yeah. beings aren't like that. No. Soldiers are. Our soldiers are. These dogs are like soldiers, and not to compare them. I'm just saying, you they could be in a deep sleep and be ready to jump in freezing cold water to go go get your duck for you and to make you happy. That's an amazing thing. So what I'm saying is that if that person comes over here and they don't hunt, and they're like, oh my god, you're, you're, oh my gosh, your dog's beautiful. I love this dog. I want to take him home with me. Well, wait until you see him tomorrow, (laughs) and then they just come duck hunting with you. Then they're gonna be like, I want to be a duck hunter. The problem is, is that nobody takes the first step. Mm -mm. They're intimidated it's it's heavily influenced by money it's expensive to do it right there's a lot of barriers entry barriers of entry barriers to entry to get into duck hunting and the dog is one that can ease that they'll be like oh my i love being my dog and then when they see that dog living up and this is where i'm going with this and i'll shut up to his or her full potential that's when that human being is going to be like oh now i get it now I know. Now I get why that dog's curled up at the end of your bed and you <laughs> love it so much because you get to experience every aspect with it. And that's why when you lose a duck dog, not more so than any other pet, when they perish, you literally are like, I don't know if I could ever find another dog. You do. It'll happen. You but you have that sense of like, oh my gosh. Like you got to have the right timing, right? When you know mm-hmm. that dog's getting older, you got to start another yeah, one start and be ready yeah. because they don't live forever. In our hearts, they do. But that whole mindset of what a dog can teach you and back you into this awesome lifestyle of being a hunter, there's nothing like it. It's so rewarding. Just, I mean, me coming into this waterfowl industry after I met Andrew and like when we did long distance for a super long time and I would come out here and I'd go hunting with him. I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. But I think the most rewarding thing is watching all of his hard work going into these dogs and how much time it takes to set up the decoys, get the boat ready, and then watching the dog perform. It's like, okay, this is cool. Like it sinks in and it's like, wow, like I'm obsessed with this because I'm watching this dog have a purpose. And then seeing Andrew's work be portrayed onto this dog and then watching the dog work and that dogs can have dual purposes they can be that house dog and they can be that machine in the field which i absolutely love and it's the most rewarding thing i've ever seen just watching my dog do what they love and then watching you know andrew's hard work go into that and it's like all right you know we did spend all this time money and effort doing this but look at our dog they get to do what they love in those seasons it's it's exactly what i was saying it's like the full potential of that dog's life is reached. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lab not jumping in water and going after a duck is reaching its full potential. Now, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't want people to say, well, I have a lab and he's not a hunter. Of course you do. Labs are awesome pets too. Awesome pets. But as far as the full potential and they go on that duck hunt and they're like, that's what they're going to be like. 
Unbelievable. Some, some of the hardest things for me as a dog trainer to see is we'll get, you know, as a dog trainer, you can just tell like, hey, that's going to be a good one or that one, not so much. So we'll get this big time duck hunter guy coming in all excited. He's bringing me his dog to get trained. That dog is not doing well. But now in my kennel, I have an obedience dog that I can tell that's good, that would be an all-star, but it's not in the hunting family. This happens all the time. And it's and it's funny to say because the um, like a lot of the obedience people they they spend the money they spend the um, they look for that pedigree they look for the health testing it, it is it's amazing to me I'm like why aren't the hunting people like we need to get the word out to the hunting people that you know maybe take a year off of buying you know some hunting gear and stick it in the dog and it's you know once the year's over now your investment you're done with it does it so it's like it's hard for me to see that because it's there's a lot of good dogs out there that um, are in a hunting family that are in an obedience family that should be a hunting dog as well too. Yeah, people, I guess like the hunters that we see, like going back to what Andrew said, the I would say 75% of the hunting owners that we do see, they don't, they would rather spend the money on the gear because they look cool. They would rather spend the money on the nice truck to tow their nice boat, to have the nice decoys, to have the nice guns. Um, to have like top notch stuff so they can keep up with the Joneses. And then you look at their dog, it's like, your dog is your biggest investment. That is a 16 year investment that you should be spending money on. Back to your tool. In in my arsenal of duck hunting, and we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, my biggest arsenal or my biggest tool is my dog. You know, I would, you know, besides the gun, I'd I'd bring my dog over a decoy in a lot of senses. Your dog is the biggest investment in when you're hunting. I mean, yes, you can have a super nice gun and, you know, you don't want to cheap out on everything, but you your decoy is not going to bring you in that duck. You know, your gun, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to shoot it down. You're going to shoot the bird down. But if you don't have a good dog that's not retrieving, it's going to be you doing the work. So, you know, we see like those obedience people and they're like the nicest people and they spend the time, money and effort to look at what you should be looking for in a dog. And then we see these hunting people and they do get upset sometimes they're like well geez like you know i've got all this nice stuff and my dog should be performing it's like well you didn't do your research yeah and you didn't yeah you didn't qualify the dog you didn't let the dog have the potential mm-hmm. that he or she deserves through training through the food through the yeah. diet we talked about the price of you know all price of a lot of commodities has gone up yeah, yeah. Eucanuba is a higher price food for a reason you get what you pay for. Yeah. It's like the, you you want to shoot the best gun in the world for duck hunting? It's a Benelli. Okay. It's an expensive gun. It's not as expensive as a, a big time over under, but you're not going to take that over under into the duck blind. A, a Benelli is used to get beat up through its existence. Yeah. You know, yeah. I have super black Eagle ones that you, that still perform. I have the, dog training. We use all Benelli and you should see some, I got, we just shoot the pump Novas. I have one pump that's 13 years old now, left 10. 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old, and the paint is completely wore off of it. I mean, completely, like, it, it moves, it's the easiest gun to move because it's so old, um, and there's million rounds ran through it, and that gun's still working. A different brand gun, last week I had it for three months. We just got a cheap deal. I think we won a DU banquet or something. Yeah, we won and it. <laughs> um, the last three weeks, that thing, it, last week it blew up in my arms. And it's laying on the office floor right now. That was the scariest moment of my life. Not good. And, I, and I'm like, I looked at Raylan and I go, we will never buy another gun. I don't care what the cost is. But that was, that what I went through last week, that scared the, that was scary. It 
and um, I would never want to go through that again. But I was like, we went out and we bought a, we got a brand new, brand new Benelli Nova. You have to it, take the time and the money to invest in things, you know, just like the dog. And it all goes back to the health of the dog. You know, if you buy this $5,000 American lab dog and it's a started dog and, you know, you don't feed what the trainer or the breeder was feeding it and you're going to go back to, you know, just a less quality food. Yeah, it's cheaper because you don't want to spend the money. It's like, but you're shortening that dog's life. That's what you don't understand. So it's cheaper well, now, but in the long through. run, your dog is probably going to have pancreatitis or it's going to have other health issues. It's not going to, if you don't start your puppy on the puppy pro, you're going to have to feed, you know, Dasiquin advanced joint supplements eventually because they need that supplement. You Let know, alone just, you picking up, out on it. just picking up dog poop. If, if your dog's pooping six times a day, you have problems. You should switch your dog food. Yeah. And the consistency of the stool. Yeah, exactly. The way that stool looks. You have to have quality, you know, quality and, health for the dog to have a good dog. And as a dog owner, you know, doesn't matter what dog food you, you use, every once in a while go, and it's gross to say, but invest, you need to look at your dog's poop too. Investigate it. Um, there could be a piece of a tennis ball in there. There could be worms. There could be uh any kind of a bone or anything so to, uh, we always gross to say but we're always kind of investigating it just to make sure that the dog's stools are solid there's nothing in there well they are labs you just, know <laughs> they get into things when we check in a new group of dogs at our kennel you would be surprised what comes out i mean you're talking underwear oh i've seen um, it other your, socks your socks we everything had three and, blockages in three different dogs two groups ago they all and they all were hospitalized they came in not even five hours later wanted a three pairs of socks their kids socks are moving one ate a rope toy which you should not use rope toys because it gets bound up and then one ate a tennis ball and all three dogs were hospitalized within 10 hours because they ate something and it takes a while to get in the system look on the x-rays yep they ate this well they didn't get socks from my house they didn't get a tennis ball from my house and they definitely didn't get a rope toy at our kennel it's just crazy that if you're not you know if you're not watching what toys you're giving your dogs or like food or supplements or anything like that, you're going to run into issues, whether it's always, now or in the future. I always ever once in a while go and check your dog's poop. <laughs> you guys believe in chew toys? No. So like, no. We, the, we just We just give Nala bones and that's it. You that's give what? All. They're called Nala bones. That's, um, but non-flavored. You don't want to get the Hershey squirts, but we literally just get plain Jane Nala bones and that's it. Or, um, deer antler is good too. Um, but, uh, but, not, did, but does letting a dog, like a sporting dog, chew on a deer antler teach them that it's okay to chew on the bumper when you're not paying attention, or chew know, on the duck, or that, chew on the duck when you leave uh, when a duck might be waiting to go onto a strap? So dogs figure out that you got to teach them. So like in the house, if you're chewing on your bone, you're chewing on your bone. When we go outside and we're working with a dummy or anything else, right out, right back, because you, you do want your dog to chew on some kind of a bone or something to keep its teeth clean. Because if you have, otherwise you're work, looking at dentals and cleanings and everything like that. You have that. to so correct the bad behavior you, on when it's okay to chew when it's not. Once your dog is trained, they just learn. Like our dogs, we like Slash, every single solitary night, he's laying on the couch and he has his nala bone between his feet. That's that's Slash. And he chews on it for a little bit. I mean, you can see here, when we bring him here, he's right out, right back, delivering the hand, doing everything. So it's it's just that training in that. where the, Yeah, so no, they're not going to. Now, if you go let them chew on their bumper, inside the house then yes then they're probably going to want to chew on their bumper while you're out training with them so if you could qualify the lifestyle if 
if you could qualify the lifestyle of a couple that owns a kennel and is training dogs 365 days a year, I want the top five benefits of it. Top five benefits? Top five benefits of owning your own kennel and working as a married couple. So a big part of it is uh, we can have, you know, a little bit of flexibility. You know, if I need to run somewhere and go do something, you know, I'm my own boss. I, I can make that decision and go and do that. I think it's building a stronger bond between us because it's not working together is not for everyone. Um, and we're also living our dream. Like this is literally everyone's dream is to be your own boss. And I think that's huge for us. My other reason is I get to duck hunt every day in my life pretty much. We're training for it. So I get to uh, pretend that I'm duck hunting and I blow a duck call every single solitary day because we use it for steadiness. We use it for, you know, getting them used to it. We use it for marking or grab their attention. So a duck call is blown every day at our house. So I love that it's, part of it. And it's just our passion, you know. It's like I said, it's not for everyone. It's not for the faint-hearted. But you know, owning a business with your partner is the most satisfying thing ever. I absolutely love working with him. And like, I guess to me, my biggest thing is watching him do what he loves, and then knowing I'm right beside him and I can support him and support all of his dreams, crazy ideas, whatever he wants to do. And he has a partner that allows him to do that because there are partners out there that know you can't do that. That's too expensive. Don't buy that jacket. Don't buy the duck boat. It's his passion and I get to support him every single day. You know, or it's a battle, you know, you can't be like competitive or I bought a new duck boat. So then she's going to go spend $26,000 on a wedding ring, something else. (laughs) So, but my other, one of my other things is um, the smiles we put on customers faces is the most rewarding thing that, you could ever possibly imagine it's it's the greatest feeling in the world so that's probably my that's probably top number one is just like last week we sent dogs home before we came here we sent home every dog and when everybody was leaving it's just it's fun to see them they're just like they're like in shock like like i can this dog walks next to my side it's not dragging me around it literally right out right back with the retrieve and these dogs aren't even 100 percent trained yet because we're training them over the winter so they come back in the summertime to do some fine tuning and they're just like, there's like, there's more you can do with the dog. And I was like, yeah, we're I'm like, they're not to my standards yet. So it's, it's pretty cool. And there's just a smile on their faces is what it's all about. Well, customers think it's also really nice that they think we're like a power couple, you know, like I said, it's not for everyone to work together, but they love seeing us as this duo where I get to do, you know, the office stuff, the puppy stuff, and he gets to do the training. But when you come to our kennel, you see both of us. You are meeting me. You're communicating with me. It's usually the wives. They want pictures of their dogs. And then training questions, they go to Andrew and they like that it's family orientated. You know, if a family brings their kids or something for a lesson and the kids are acting up, I'm like, here, give me the kids. Like, let's, I'll take the kids. And the families like that. You know, they like that we're just down to earth and that they get to meet who's behind, like, the business in a sense. You know, you don't have some business owner that you never get to meet and you don't know who's training your dogs you don't know who's breeding your labs but we're communicating with the customers and i think they really like that because they can see that wow they get to work together every single day doing what they love and you know they're happy with the customers and they're communicating with the customers and they see that you know we are happy it's not just um for the gram or for the facebook you know we are truly happy doing what we love and working together as a team and it's not for everyone but we always say like if we run into a problem it's not us against each other like 
oh, Raylin, like you didn't do this right or something's wrong in the kennel. What did you do? It's like, it's not us against each other. It's us against the problem that we have to fix to make ourselves stronger, to make our business better. Because at the end of the day, our goal is to keep growing this business and businesses, you know, get bigger into breeding and the kennel. And eventually, you know, we want to retire and have kids that can take over the business. But the goal is we'll let's never, grow we'll this never place. We'll force it on our kids. But yeah. We are just you wanna... guys having kids? It's a goal. I mean, with what's going on in the world, it is a little we, scary. So <laughs> if you would have asked me that question two years ago, three years ago, I would have been like... Hey, I you love, love kids. I, 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 oh, we man, both love I, kids. I love kids. If you would have asked me that question two or three years ago, I would have been like, I want a kid yesterday. But as time goes on now, obviously I want kids. That's 100%. But part of me is like, I'm scared to bring it in this world. Yeah, but you could also be the the difference. So yeah, like, like you were saying last night, we are the difference. We and if we difference. want to see change, you know, we have to raise out. I mean, I'm sure we'll have kids, but oh, yeah. this is our fun age. You know, let's, we can just book the flight and come out and see you. You know, we can go to Nashville. Like oh, we're yeah, don't get in a rush. Yeah. You're only 20, you're 22 and you're 40. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> but I think, you know, we have to just You raise wish them you were right. 22 still? Those were the days. Yeah, but 20, the, your 30s and 40s are the best years of your life. I loved, like, I could just, I mean, I love being married and I love, like, settling down, but being 22 and 23, like, that was, like, not a care in the world. I still had a good job, still making really good money, but you just didn't have the stress of being, in quotations, an adult. Adult, you know, bills, electricity bills, you know, whatever, car payment. Oh, That's a lot easier if mom and dad paid for everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going back to the Ukanuba. Premium performance hot seat. Best fish in North America to eat. Fresh water, go. Well, walleye and perch. Halibut? No, I said fresh water. Whitefish? What's whitefish? Like what he just said? Well, we have whitefish in Michigan. Whitefish like what? Like that's the... That's the that's the name. Really? Yeah, it's a whitefish. They're so, in the Great Lakes. So is it better than, it's salmon better than a walleye? Oh, oh, yeah. No smelt. Way. Have she you ever liked, had smelt? She likes yeah. smelt. I, I, or sam, freshwater salmon I like. I'm not a fan of the, the smelt or whatever it's called. I've had it. I'm not a huge fan. I but I do it. love walleye. Whitefish is the way to go. We're eating walleye tonight from Minnesota. You'll have to come to Michigan and get some white. Oh, I could ship it, I guess. Whitefish. Best way to eat a walleye? Grilled. Really? Uh, broiled. Really? Bro- is, broiled, is broiled same as grilled? Um, it's a little higher bit higher heat, and you're just. I kinda, like. I like my Traeger. I don't know. I like I, my Traeger. You don't like it fried. I don't like a fry. A fi- mm. Do you like Friday night fish fries in Wisconsin, or Minnesota? So, I mean, pulling like, into the local bar and having a cold beer. Don't get me wrong. I love the. I love the deep fried, but I gotta. It's watch too filling. My figure too, but <laughs> yeah. Best music to best music to listen to on a training day. Oh, country all the time. Country for sure. New country or old country? Both. Be careful what you say in this house. Both. Both. This is coming from a guy right now that wears Crocs. I want you all to keep that. (laughs) That goes out to you too, Chris Aiken. I know you wear Crocs. Stop wearing Crocs. Dog trainer specialty. We we get wet, and then two seconds later, we're walking through a dry field. Crocs are life. Do you like the Crocs? They came out with the Croc tennis shoe now. I didn't until I met him, but they're easy to wear. But I usually actually, I'm a barefoot kind of girl. I don't usually wear shoes outside. You just walk on gravel in the bare she feet? walk right across the gravel driveway. To go get the mail, feet. yeah. Doesn't even, you're getting one even, in touch with the earth when you don't wear she shoes. She wouldn't even flinch like me. If I walk across a rock, I will like fall over. I never wear shoes. She'll walk right down the driveway. Never. Because 
where we live, they bring the mail right to your, you have a, ba- a mailbox within your driveway. So she'll walk all the way down the driveway. Yes or no, can your dog get on the bed when you're sleeping? Yes. Yes, they sleep on it. Can they bed. get on your couch? Yes. yes our dogs do. Is there anywhere your dog can't go? No. Our basement. We don't allow them in the basement because yeah. that's where the puppies are at. But other than that, no, we don't. Our dogs will get in the, sh- like if I'm taking a shower, they'll get in the shower with the me. The bird, bird coop. So- slash. The bird coop. They're keep, not allowed keep in the bird away coop. from Slash. He loves this summer, his- summer 2023. I know you're going to be busy. One concert you both would drop training for that day to get some help at the kennel to go see. What would yours be, Andrew? Cool. That's tough. Oh, Brett Cobb. Brent Cobb. Mm-hmm. Raylan or Jamie Johnson. Ooh, I love Jamie Johnson. Uh, Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan. I thought you were going to say Zach Brown. Zach Brown band's bad to the bone. He's on my list. I think they're going to be in Minnesota this year. You guys let me know if you want to go see him. You can do but duck dogs. Ray Lynn, Andrew, the first couple of dog training, Wild Acre Kennels, Minnesota. Look them up, wildacrekennels.com. Get on that You Can Nuba High Performance, Premium Performance Diet. Start with the Puppy Pro. Get into the 3020. Telling you, we see huge results. I've never seen happier dogs in my life. I've talked to Andrew and Raylan. I've talked to Brad Arrington. I've talked to Chris Aiken. I've talked to trainers all over the country. Rocky Merlo, Brad Forsyth, guys that that aren't trainers, just dog owners, duck dog owners, performance dog owners, sporting dog owners that dedicate their whole lives to this lifestyle, and they are so happy with the performance of their dogs, the attitude, and the personality of their dogs on Yukonuba. Um, just info us info at the if you want any more information we can give you our credibility on it our opinions on it but I'm telling you spend a little bit more money like Ray Lynn has said so many times a day you're going to get what you pay for for Andrew Ray Lynn myself Chad Belling this has been another edition of the Foul Life podcast you can noob a duck dog series check out this song this is My Foul Life by 2AM Logic Yeah.